Good morning. Yeah. Hope y'all are doing as well as I am this morning. Amen. Um, it's been a good weekend, and the spirit has felt so good and so sweet, and um, and I feel somewhat overwhelmed to be in this spot this morning. But, um, ask for y'all prayers this morning, but I I just feel. Uh, I tell you, we're serving a good God. Yes, this morning, and uh, the Lord is with us. And the Lord is with us, and uh, I've felt the evidence of that this weekend. And um, I'm thankful that we serve a, a God who's not a weak God, um, but He's a God of power. That's right, um, and He is a God of love. We're just seeing a wonderful story of love. Um, and the song goes on to say, "Though you are far away, still He doth call today." Um, and I was once there. I was once at a point where I was not close to God. Um, the Bible says that, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that He cannot save, nor is His ear heavy, that He can't." not here, but yes. your iniquities have separated yes, you have. from God. And I was in that state one time. I, the song we sang before that, I was once a sinner, um, but the Savior made me whole. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for that, and really that's just the, the gospel message in a nutshell, if you will, is that we are born in sin. That's right. We sin just by habit, by nature, by nature of sin that we inherited. Um, but God made a way through Jesus Christ that we could be restored, um, that we could inherit or take on the nature of God and live a life without sin. Um, and that equips us and makes us a candidate for heaven when we die. And, and I tell you, the Bible, I'm going to talk about some this morning, hopefully I get it out the way that God's put it on my heart. Um, but the Bible is our roadmap. Um, the Bible, it is the Word of God. I'm convinced. I've done a, a small study in my own little way of how the Bible came to be, you know, the actual book we have here. And uh, I tell you, it's an amazing story, and I'm convinced that God was in it. There's no way that we would have what we have today without um, God working it out through history for us to have this. And so this is what Christ Sanctified Holy Church stands on. Um, we believe that if it's in the Word of God, it's true. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not true. And this is the standard that we measure our lives by. It's the standard we measure our doctrine by. And uh, and so rest assured this morning, we're not making anything up. We're just going to read you what's in the Word of God. And uh, I tell you, I have a great interest this morning in... And seeing you make it to heaven. Amen. I really do. If, if nothing else, um, I tell you, you could be successful. You could have all the things in life that I would want to have. <laughs> um, and I may in some level admire that. But my goodness, I want you to make it to heaven. Uh, if you have everything in this world, Jesus himself said, um, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What does it profit if a man gain the whole world and lose his soul? Um, what are you giving today in exchange for your soul? Um, and I ask you this morning, um, as we draw the weekend to a close here, um, to really think about your life. And really think about your soul. Think about how it is between you and God. Um, and I want you to know that you can make a change. Um, you don't have to stay where you're at. The devil would tell you that it's hopeless. 
that you can't do any different than what you're doing now. Right. That, that is too difficult. There's too many snares and entanglements and, and, and roadblocks and obstacles in the way. But I want you to know that God can make a way for right. you. Um, that you can be sanctified. You can make it to heaven if you want to go. That's right. Um, I wish sometimes that I could do it for you. Um, I love you that much, but I can't. But I want you to know that you can make it to heaven through Jesus Christ. And um, I want to have a few places to read this morning. I tell you, I had a... If you're not sanctified, you might not understand this this morning. But Thursday night, I was, you know, we're getting ready. Um, Amy and I both work, and we knew Friday was going to be a hectic day, and we wanted to be here for church Friday night. That didn't quite work out. Came close. But, uh, so Thursday night, we're getting ready, and uh, and I was up trying to stay up, trying to stay awake to uh, wait for a load of clothes to get dry so I could transfer stuff, you know, and get ready. And I sat down um, and started reading, and I don't know how to explain it to you, but 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 God was right there with me. Amen. Um, as I read that word of God and I felt I was sitting on my couch in my little living room, but I felt like I was in the clouds somewhere. Amen. <laughs> and that that time, that communion time with God where you know without a doubt that you and the Creator, the Divine, are, are connected. That's right. Um, is the most precious thing in life. Um, it is the thing that will thrill your soul and make you feel contentment and peace and fulfillment. Um, that you know your place in life more than anything else. Um, and I, I have found that to be so mild. I think y'all feel the same way. Um, and I crave that for you. They don't have it. Yes. I want you to know the peace. That simply comes from that thing that we were created for, and that is to have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And um, and I'll read this morning uh, just just to just to kind of loosen me up and get going. Some of my my favorite scripture, and it depicts God who He is. Have you not known? Right. Have you not heard? Right. Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He sees a lot different pictures we do. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, this shall not be planted. Yea, this shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. We think some of these things are governments. You know, all these things are just rooted. There's nothing we can do about it, unfortunately, sometimes, you know. But uh, but God doesn't see it that way. God sees a completely different picture. He is in control. <clears throat> he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. I think about, you know, when I was a child in the Cary Church, and I remember the first time someone... Um, I think it was Uncle Bobby Paul. You know, showed me the little dandelion, you know, the, the white puff while you blow on it. You know, and I'd just be amazed by it. You know, and it felt like, you know, when you're a kid and when you're a little boy, you learn how to destroy things, you know. It gives you a sense of, I can do something, you know. I kind of felt that way, that little, that little puff ball blowing that puff. I want you to know that we are so small in God's eyes. And the kingdoms of this earth are so small in God's That's how God sees this world. He is in control. He is in control. He has got all power. The whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power. 
and not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? And I felt this way one time. My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over thou from my God. You know, I, I've discovered, you know, we think we can hide from God. Um, it's an amazing thing. God knows everything. He is everywhere. Um, the Scripture says He even knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. I'm trying to explain this to Claire. Claire's six years old now, that, that concept. And she was almost horrified by it. Um, God knows what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. You know, I don't want her to know that yet. But, but God knows what you're thinking. God knows where you are at. He knows where your heart is at. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful that when I'm feeling alone, um, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I don't know what to do. I don't really want to share with anybody <laughs> what's going on. Um, I don't want to be looked down on or you know, or expose myself for my fears and my insecurity. But I can call on God. And He hears me. He heard me before I ever spoke. And He cares. He cares about me. Every time that I've called and reached out to Him, He's been right there to help me. So I'm thankful for that. But the flip side of that is you can't hide from God. That's right. God knows where you're at. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And this is how, you know, we have God in heaven. A lot of times we just want to keep Him up there, it seems like. But He giveth power to the faint. He comes down and connects with you. Um, And to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. It's going to happen, guys. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And I found it to be that way. Um, when I put my trust in God, and He is the one helping me, and I'm not, I've am not i let go of the wheel and let Him have it, He takes care of us. Yes. Um, and it works. Amen. And it works. And um, hmm. I'm, I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. And I want you to know, I'm going to say it over and over again, God's in control, and He loves you. Um, and you can make it. You can make it. Um, with God on our side, there's nothing that can stop us. And I mean that. I don't mean that in a kind of a, a brute, you know, let's go to war kind of way. No, no, no. Um, but Jesus said, so, he said, so, as Brother Cliff was talking last night, I thought about this. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulations. You're going to have trouble in this world. That's, that's for saints and sinners, for all of us. Um, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Um, when you turn it over to God, all your problems just become opportunities for God. Um, opportunities for Him to show His power, to show what He can do. Um, so I say just give it to God. Let Him have it. And um, I say God put this on my heart the other night, not Thursday night, and I really hope that I can get it out concisely and in a way you can understand what's what's in here. Um, when God dips His pen
Have y'all had times where God wrote in your heart, in your life? And I kind of want to expound on that some and hope I can get it out. Y'all pray for me if if I can just get it out. But um, I'm in the wrong wrong spot. How do I do that? Let's go to Daniel. I'll turn it down here. Here we go. Um, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. Then the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. And in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. And his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. And the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing, and shew me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet, and have a chain of gold about his neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, I believe this is his mother, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the day of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. And he goes home and says, Then was Daniel brought in before the king. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which are of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, I brought them before me, and they should read this writing and make known to me the interpretation, but they could not. And I have heard of thee, that thou can make interpretation and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom in majesty and glory and honor. Don't forget God's in control and for the majesty that he gave him. All people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. And it goes on, but when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was opposed from his kingly throne. They took his glory from him. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee. 
mocking God. And thou and thy lords, thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and brass, iron, wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him. And this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, tickle you farson. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tickle, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting, lacking. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. But in that night, that night, was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Um, and I think about this picture. This man going about his life um, in revelry, um, excited about himself and where his life was going. He was in charge. He was the king. He had it all under control. He, he did what he wanted to. He, he had this great feast going at the height of what he, he took to be his pleasure and to be his, his entertainment and excitement in God's hand. <clears throat> Writing a message for that king. And I thought, has God written a message for your life? Yeah. He wrote a message for my life one day. Um, really the first experience I had other than just subtly feeling the spirit of meeting or was when God wrote on my heart yeah. and I realized that I was a sinner. Um, I realized that I was not right. Um, I was young. You know, I wasn't really concerned about my soul. I was, uh, you know, just, just living life, um, going about my way. But God gave me a message and said, you are fat weighed in the balances and found one. Your life doesn't measure up. It doesn't measure up to His standard. Um, and I think a lot of times that we, just like this king here, um, our vision is down here. We don't see things as God sees it. Um, and we in our human nature tend to compare ourselves with other people. We look around and we may feel, feel a twinge of guilt here now and then or, or worry about whether we're doing as well as we can. And we start to look around and say, well, my neighbor down the street, I, I know what he did last week. Um, I'm not, I haven't done that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I'm doing all right. Um, I've heard a lot of folks say, well, my pastor does so-and-so, and so it must be okay for me to do. <laughs> be careful with that. Um, I've heard it the other way, too. He said, well, um, you know, I don't have quite as much as this guy here. Maybe if I you know, seek the promotion or if I work a little harder or try this avenue, I can, I can have that. Um, and we live our lives a lot of times by comparison to other people. But I tell you, when God speaks to you, He's not worried about who's sitting next to you. He's not worried about your address or where you live or your status in life. But He is measuring you in His balance. He's weighing you on His scales, on, on the scales of eternity. And He is looking for holiness. He is looking for a holy, sanctified, sin-free life. And nothing else measures up to God's standard. To God's standard. Um, but praise God, He made a way for us to achieve that standard. Um, and go on, I thought, um, I want to tell you a little bit about, about God. And you know, all through the Bible, um, and I'm not going to read it for sake of time this morning, um, 
But when he brought his children out, Sister Pan talked about this some last night, he brought his children out of Egypt with a high and mighty hand. He established a kingdom of people here on earth. Um, he gave them victory after victory after victory. Um, at some point, he raised up and he had Solomon as king and all his glory and wealth and power. So there was an earthly kingdom that he created. But he brought these people out of slavery to do it, to prove his power. Um, but when he got them out and over that Red Sea in victory, and he descended on Mount Sinai. Yes. And so you talked about this last night there in that 12th chapter of Hebrews. It refers to that. And, and just in all his mighty, awesome power, he descended on Mount Sinai. And that poor mountain was on fire and trembling and quaking. Um, they couldn't stand up to the power of God. They couldn't even look at it. They couldn't look at it. It was so, so just, just terrible in power. They were afraid of it. Um, but God called Moses and said, come up with me on this mountain. And he stayed there 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God. Um, and Saul had heard amazing things. I don't think anybody's seen or heard since. But God wrote on tables of stone commandments for those people. We know them as the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and I don't know if He wrote the rest of the law out. I don't know exactly how much was contained in these two tablets of stone that Moses had. But the finger of God, I can just see coming down and writing. I wonder what it looks like. <laughs> when God does something, He does it right. I've seen good penmanship. I don't have it. Um, I've seen I've seen good handwriting and calligraphy, and it's just it's a beautiful thing. Um, but just God's right, and He wrote that law out for those people in those natural tables of stone. Um, and I found it seems like right. It can't be changed when God writes something. When it's written down, and we're kind of that way too. We write contracts, you know. We think that if we write it out on paper and put our put our signature on it, then it means something, you know. And it's just set in stone. That's how it is. Um, and God's that way too. When He writes something, that's it. <laughs> when He says something, that's it. That's how it is. There's no reason for us to try to figure it out or get around it. Or that's how it is. This is it, he sets the bounds of nature by His spoken word. Um, and he sets the bounds of our existence um, and whose hands our breath is. Um, he sets the bounds of how you need to live your life by what he has said and what he has recorded in his word. And I want to read to you um, an illustration that John the Revelator saw. Um, he saw in the spirit of what the word of God is. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes... And think about the power in this. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. That's the power that this Word has. It's not just letters on a page that was printed somewhere and we read it trying to... No! There's a power in this Bible. There's a power in this Word. It is a lot. There is a spiritual force behind it. I thought this morning that men have lots of ideas and ideologies and, and there's companies that are founded on an idea and they last for quite a while. We admire them and that's great. Um, we talk about how our government is founded on the ideas and principles written down by these men in the Constitution and, and that's great. But there's only as much power behind that as the men who choose to enforce it, as the men who choose to follow it. Um, the Word of God is not that way. If every man chooses to ignore the Word of God, it still has validity. It still is true. It still has power because God is behind it. It has a power. It is alive by itself. 
And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And listen to this. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Um, in Hebrews, I believe it is, it says the Word of God is quick, yeah. it's alive, and it's powerful, yeah. and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the faults and intents of the heart. Have I got that right? Um, the Word of God has power, and it has power for you. Um, it has power for you. And that spirit, that, that and the next verse goes on and says, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's Jesus we're talking about. It's Jesus. You know, here inscribed in the, in the folds of these, this book. And that word can pierce. It didn't mean one day. Um, we put up a mask. We put on our armor sometimes. We don't want people to see inside. But that word of God sometimes can get right through it. And it shows us where we're at. It, it shows us uh, the state of our life. It illuminates it. That's right. It illuminates our life. And it shows us where we stand with God. And so I say, don't run from the Word of God. Don't hide from it. Listen to it. See what it has to say for you. It is what will guide you and help you make it to heaven if you will follow what it says. And I have one more passage of Scripture I want to read. It's one of the prettiest illustrations I've, I've, I've seen in this Bible of... How much Christ cares for you, and He cares for me. Um, we don't. We're not serving a callous, faraway God this morning. We're serving a God who's right here with us. That's right. He. Uh, what does it say? We have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we understand. Yet without sin, He was, and He can help me. Um, y'all may not understand everything about me. That's okay. I don't either. Um, but God does. And he knows how to help me um, the right way. Brother Cliff said last night, and I thought it was great, God's not a uh, sure coping kind of cover things up, patch things up kind of God. He gets right to the root of the matter. He wants to help you right where you are at. Um, he wants to help you get out of sin. He wants to help you get out of the rut that you found yourself in. He wants you to make it to a reward in heaven one day. But um, let me read this, and I'll remind you that song, God dips His pen of love in your heart. And He writes your soul a message that He wants you to know. That he wants you to know. Um, Make sure I can find my find the right place here. Jesus, eighth chapter of Saint John. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> he he didn't climb up on the pulpit. Now he sat down with them and taught them. We sing a song occasionally. I remember it. Seeing it, here singing it, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, right. Oh, what words I hear him say. Um, and I think there's times, I want you to all experience this, when you're just sitting in your living room, so to speak, with, with a God who wants to save your soul, with the creator of eternity, but he's close enough to you to deal with you on, a, on, a, on my level, on your level, <clears throat> sitting down with them and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. 
And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What sayest thou? Um, No question this woman was guilty. Um, They caught her. They caught her. And by the law, she should be killed. And I want to tell you that one day, well, one day I was condemned. God wrote a message on my heart and I was guilty. I was guilty. You may be that way this morning. You may be guilty of sin that you've committed, unforgiven sin. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. I like this, but Jesus stooped down. And with his finger, he wrote. He wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And I think about that picture of God, his hand reaching down, writing on those tables of stone on the mountain with with Moses and power. Just a mighty way. Um, The hand of God. I think about Belshazzar, that feast. The hand of God writing. Writing a message for men to hear. And here's Jesus. A small group of people. And this one woman. A sinner. From before him. And what does he do? He starts to write. He starts to write. And I've often wondered and we've surmised, what was he writing? What was he writing? I heard somewhere, I, I, I'm going on a tangent, I'll come back, or don't keep me back, get me back here. Um, I'm fascinated by creation science, you know, people studying how, uh, and then proving how, you know, the, the flood and all that stuff, and I don't need to be proved it, but it's interesting to me. Um, and I don't know if y'all remember, when I was in high school, it seemed like they were they were mapping the human genome, and there's a big controversy, what are they going to do with it? You know, we're going to have clones and that mess, you know, and, and, and I didn't hear much about it after that. Um, recently, I heard a report, or somebody speaking on a report, that said when they dug down and they actually mapped out the very fibers of who we are and what makes us who we are, they started to, you know, and with flowers and different things, there's a pattern, there's a, a mathematical formula you can apply to it, and they were seeking that, and they couldn't, couldn't ever find a pattern, couldn't make it work. And they finally, one person wrote a thesis and, or a paper on it and said, it's, it's eerie in that the pattern they found, this jumbled pattern, is most closely resembled by written language. Um, it's most closely resembled by the way we write, you know, the human speech patterns. And, when we, and I, I tell you, it, it's, it's fascinating to me when I listen to a little bit of classical music and different things, and, and, and over time I've gotten to where I can listen to a piece that I haven't heard before, and I kind of, I think I know who the, who the composer was, you know, just by the... Just the sound and the, yeah. the feel of the, of the, of the piece. And, and it's that way with songs we're intimate and familiar with. Um, with Uncle Paul songs, Aunt Charlotte songs, they have a certain cadence and feel and familiarity to them. And it's, and it's the, the person behind the piece that's coming through the piece. And I want you to know that God wrote you. Yeah. <laughs> it was God <laughs> that designed us with His own hand. Amen. Um, and I think He took there, I, I see Him in the garden. And he's created the world and he reaches down and from the dust to the earth, he creates man, um, his own creation. And I see Jesus here stooping down in that dust and that dirt. And I can't wonder if he's not hearkening back where he's there creating this perfect man, Adam, um, that had a perfect soul. 
that was just made to, to have a relationship with yeah. him. And this woman's before him who's separated by her iniquities from God. And he's writing in that same dirt, in that same dust. Um, and Jesus came to create new life for that woman. He came to create that. And it's the same for you. God created you. God wrote. He designed you. And he knows everything about you. And he wants to recreate you and make you new. Listen to what he did. They, they continued asking him. He lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and began to write on the ground. He's writing a new message for this woman. And they, when they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, Amen. he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And that's what Jesus wants to do for every one of you this morning. He wants to make you new. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And He wants to write a new life for you. He has, oh, it was to say, the plans that I have for you, the thoughts I have for you of peace. Um, it's Man, God has a plan for your life. I'm convinced of it. His plan starts right here. His plan starts at an altar. When you say, God, here am I. Forgive me. <laughs> Take me. I give you my life. And He will write a new a new chapter in your life. And He can take us through to a home in heaven. I ask you all pray for me. I say, come on.